should wait to come out, that you should uh, try to gain rank or status before you do that. That's a bunch of bull It's a new day in the music industry, and I can reach my fans. We're getting there. I've caused harm to the political agenda, and which I'm actually happy for. I would say probably the best message to them is that they're on the wrong side of history. Whether you're lesbian, gay, bi, transgender, or whatever, love is love. Shout it out to the world. The Michelle Miao Show. Your A through Z, covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between show. And now, here's your host, Michelle Miao. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me here on this Wednesday, this hump day, the second day of August. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. The Michelle Miao Show is your A through Z, covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between. I woke up this morning just feeling like, ugh, everything sucks, or, I, you know, I, not that, like, everything sucks, but I'm just so tired of talking about uh, things that are so negative or things that make me so angry or things that are emotionally impacting me that I feel like we need to just laugh. We need to relax. We need to get to a place where there's some good times um, that I think we can find within our own community. And so I'm excited about today's show. We're going to focus on the fourth annual Desi Comedy Festival right here in the Bay Area that's coming up August 10th through the 20th. And we're going to have some LGBTQ comedians on the program today. And uh, hopefully we'll just laugh. We'll laugh our sorrows or, or, or kind of find a place where we can at least enjoy our sorrows, if that makes any sense. So let's get today's program started. Today's show is brought to you by Pacific Fertility Center. When life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. Our guest today on the phone is a Motor City native, Corinda Dobbins, who was born into a politically active family of skilled storytellers and sharp wits. Uh, Corinda moved from Michigan to California's Bay Area and uh, responded to repeated dares from a girlfriend who challenged her to try making the crowd laugh at an open mic. That is one of the most terrifying things I can think of as far as a dare, uh, but I think uh, I think she's doing pretty good. I've seen some videos. Corinda, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, yeah, we're, you know, I was just opening up the show. I woke up today just feeling super um, down, you know, everything that's happening politically and then everybody else acting a fool. Yesterday, uh, we did an entire show about the Breakfast Club hosts mm-hmm. and their, the, the, they being complicit in very transphobic dialogue with Lil Duvall. Uh, you know, why don't we just go there? Because I've seen some stuff that you talked about, and it touches on racism um, and and being an out LGBTQI person uh, who touches on this topic. What are your thoughts about what happened on that on the uh, Breakfast Club? Um, you know, I, I listened to the the interview with uh, Lil Duval, and it's it's just sort of uh, repetitive of what we've heard from so many. Um, rappers uh, in the past. I mean, this is nothing new. I think what is new is that um, people don't want to hear it anymore. <laughs> I think the reaction to it is um, sort of an, a new day for um, an awareness for for transgender people, for for 
Um, and the fact that they had Janet Mock on the show a few weeks before that, it seems like their awareness should have been raised and uh, they should have um, sort of had a different reaction when Lil Duval had those comments. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, one of the hardest things about being a comedian is this whole, uh, some comedians will use the platform for jokes that are just not funny, even though they think it's super funny. Uh, I'm sure you know what I'm, I'm talking about or what I mean by that. As a comedian yourself, that's part of the LGBTQ community and identifying um, in in other communities, uh, you know, pe- people of color, female, mm-hmm. uh, any of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you deal with, uh, you know, this idea that there are some jokes that just they're just not funny? Um, I mean, comedy is a is a a space where, um, as people have said, that people who like your comedy will be drawn to you. So all the types of comedy that are out there, um, if someone is willing to come and see you, uh, then your jokes are funny. That's, you know, the audience really determines that. Um, as comedians, you know, we have opinions about what is funny, what is not funny, but, uh, the people who are paying to come see you really determine if you're funny or not. Yeah. You know, one, sometimes, like, especially, like, how I opened up, you know, uh, sometimes as uh, people of color, uh, b- people who share oppressed experiences, it can, mm-hmm. comedy can be very, very healing. And it also mm-hmm. could be, like, this thing where it brings us together. Um, I'm sure you've experienced that, you know, in your work. Of course. I mean, we do a political comedy show at the New Parkway Theater in Oakland called The Resistance. And it's basically a show to uh, sort of laugh and heal what's going on politically in the world right now, because a lot of people are so depressed about it. Right. (laughs) You know, some people really cannot function. So it's a show where, you know, we feel like we hope we give people laughter and, and they can... Um, take that and they can continue to <laughs> yeah. you know, go about their day, you know? Right, right. No, I mean, you know, I appreciate, like, what SNL has done, um, like Melissa McCarthy and the whole Sean Spicer mm-hmm. thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I totally appreciate that. But there's this other, uh, like, space I want to be in that's inclusive of issues that this current administration is attacking. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the president has created a uh, very, I I wouldn't say racist, I would say he, I'm sorry, he has contributed to a a situation, an issue that we already have, which is racism here in this country, Mm -hmm. but he's making it so like outright and blunt as almost like he's normalizing it and making it okay. Um, How do you, uh, how do you fold, you know, this administration and, and racism, which is something we have been impacted and affected by all our lives, but it, it just feels so, so bad right now. How do you fold that into your stand-up now? <laughs> it's very difficult. You know, people, a lot of people have said, you know, that this should be the golden age for comedy because of the Trump administration. But, uh, I mean, it's very difficult to make fun of a buffoon. Um, I mean, his <laughs> presidency is the joke. So, I mean, it's kind of hard to <laughs> make a bit right. about it. But right. I think what Trump has done um, and what he continues to do is to 
uh, come back to racism whenever he's in trouble. I mean, he's all this stuff with Russia right now, and then yesterday we hear that he's going to be going after affirmative action in colleges that, um, you know, may be discriminating against white students, which who has ever heard of that? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But he, he tosses that out there. He knows that's red meat for all other people who <laughs> who voted for him. And that's one of the reasons why they did. Or he'll say something about the wall or, you know, and so they galvanize around that and sort of ignore all of his transgressions. <laughs> and yeah. he knows that. So, I mean, it's it's a it's a thing he's been doing and it, it's been working. Um, I have this thing, you know, uh, where I'm starting to feel like our country is just just going to shits. And yeah. that, you know, one day I'm going to wake up and the world has ended or America has ended. Uh, that's very dramatic. I've always been a really dramatic person. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but, I, you know, like, I, it's a very serious, like, emotion or, or feeling. Uh, kind of, I, I wanted to ask you just, uh, you know, is comedy how you're coping with it? Or this is nothing new to you because I get the feeling that for some people they're like, man, you know, we've uh, it's been tough times here in America before. Like, don't be so dramatic. Mm-hmm. Well, I've heard that too, especially from Black people, because we've been through so much in this country, and Trump is just another iteration of the type of policies that we've had to fight against. You know, since we got here, but um, we don't want to have to keep reinventing the wheel. You know, <laughs> yes, Trump is is bad and. As you know, we know that we have um, we have ways to fight oppression, but we don't want to have to keep doing that. <laughs> we don't want to have right. to keep making jokes about uh, the types of presidencies that we've seen before who've been so oppressive to people of color and to marginalized people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's kind of it's depressing, really. But as comics, you know, this is the time where we have to rise up and we have to. Um, that's one of the things that art does, you know, it gets us through the toughest time. So as comics, you know, even though it's depressing to us, like we have to find a way to make this funny. And it's, and it's, it gets more and more difficult every day. Every time I turn on the news, there's something else. And I'm like, shit, how I can't make that funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I totally get it. Um, One of the interesting things that's happening, uh, you you mentioned, you know your show, the resistance, and this whole mm-hmm. sh- this whole word resistance has become like a hashtag has become a trend. Um, mm-hmm. We've got new activists now who are screaming and yelling like they know you know what they're doing or they've been doing it for a long time. I mean, I appreciate their energy you know, now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's better to, right. to, to be active than to to not be active. Uh, but uh, I wanted to hear you know your thoughts and feel free to be. Uh, to be funny about it if you want to <laughs> or crack a joke about it um it's like it's like for those coming out like i'm going to give you an example like the women's march you know for example mm-hmm. the women's march yes was necessary it was the largest gathering you know historically speaking at least in the last decade or so um from a political perspective but it had mm-hmm. its, its downfalls and now all of a sudden everybody wants to talk about uh, racial issues, as if um, you know, their they their opinions uh, are as if they're like a professor or an activist or like they know. Do you do you catch where I'm going with that? Like I kind of yeah. kind of want to say <laughs> I want to I I don't want to joke about it, but I I also want to put it out there to everybody. I, I, I 
not you're you're not an expert on race issues now. <laughs> yeah, I mean everybody's a woke baby now. <laughs> <laughs> you know that term woke is just is just taking on a life of its own. And <laughs> you know I went to the women's march, and uh, one of the things that struck me about the women's march is, um, you know, what it takes to get white women upset. <laughs> you know, Trump has got them in a tizzy, but it's like. We needed them in the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, like we needed them for uh, so many uh, black transgender women have been killed. You know, like we need them to march when it's not just about them. <laughs> you right. know? And I showed up to that march because I'm an ally yeah. <laughs> and I'm a woman and I wanted to support that. But I think that is one of the things that a lot of uh, black women were upset about. It's just like, where were you when we needed you? We're here supporting you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're March, right. but you're not with us. You know, it's like you know, you you can't be woke half the day. You know what I mean? You got <laughs> you got to be woke the whole day. <laughs> uh, thanks for that. Um, yeah, I, you know, because I was starting to feel like, oh, am I the only one? Uh, especially in the political world. Now, you know, it's interesting. It's like there's like this this. Uh, I don't know if you feel this way, but like there's this fight to be who you know the most liberal or the most radical yeah. mm-hmm. um and uh, it's it's kind of annoying because i kind of feel like it takes away from the actual work mm-hmm. yeah um you gotta do the work it's like you can you can be on twitter you can hashtag you can you know start trends <laughs> but we gotta have boots on the ground you know what i mean it's like right that's what i want to see you know the aclu is being attacked planned parenthood is being attacked you know women's rights it's like we got to get, you know, money to the places that, you know, the Trump administration is trying to take away from. Um, that's the kind of stuff I want to see. It's like a lot of these things that people are doing to me, the impact of it is going to be minimal. Um, a lot of people call them, you know, social justice or social media warriors. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like you got to take that stuff offline. <laughs> Yeah. And bring it into the real world, you know. Yeah. What What are you What What are your like? What are you doing? What are your actions? I mean, yeah, I read your soliloquy, but <laughs> what are you doing? Right. Right. Speaking of, you know, people are doing things. I mean, I read that you opened up or toured with Kamau Bell, which very, very, very much loved here in the Bay Area. Um, yes. And yeah. uh, like, he would be someone that I consider super woke, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Like, what have you learned from him? And, and uh, you know, tell us about the experiences of working alongside someone like Kamau Bell. I mean, the, the best thing, you know, working with Kamau is that his audiences are super woke, <laughs> you know, and we can do jokes I think that normally we can't do in, in certain other venues. You know, it's like I can talk about anything and they'll automatically get it. They're like, yeah, I read about that, you know. Like, I can talk about, you know, black trans- transgender women, or I can talk about, you know, black women, you know, making 64 cents uh, compared to white women's dollar for the same job, and, and they automatically know it, you know, and that's... Right. As, as, as a comic, it's, it's, it's amazing. And also, you know, Kamal's show, you know, tackles so many racial issues, so many uh, historically fucked up things we've done in this country. <laughs> Yeah. And so, I mean, it just, to me, it, it, it just, it gives me a sense of hope that my type of comedy, like, I can have a show and I can do things. And so many people have told me, like, oh, if you talk about race and politics, like, 
you know, there's not much that you're going to be able to do with that. And Kamal has shown that there's a lot that you can do with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really you know, cool. People want to, especially in this day and age, like people want to, people want to hear it and people want to, you know, tune into it. Yeah, no, I, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, I feel like, um, I appreciate my therapist, but at this point, mm-hmm. like, I, I, I don't, I need more than my therapist. Like, I need, <laughs> I need people who are going to crack jokes at the stuff that I'm going through that I'm thinking in my head so that I'm not going crazy. Like, you know, this, this like, for example, like, Donald Trump is racist, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Absolutely. I, I need to check in with people who understand when I say that and, and uh, aren't going to look at me like, well, I don't think he's actually, you know, not a racist. I just think that he's doing it for, uh, you know, uh, salacious reasons or for media attention or he's just crazy uh, that's I've heard he... so many people <laughs> enabling him around his racism it's yeah. like who gives a damn what his reasons are for his racism <laughs> like, yeah. I don't care like oh he's not really a racist he's just racist because that's what his people want him to be I'm like well that's the worst yeah. Like you you aren't a racist because you want to be, you racist because somebody told you you should be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and I it's hate not, that even more. <laughs> right. And it's not even just him. I mean, you know, when you start now now that uh so many people are involved and they're watching like for exa- example, like the hearings now in Russia or the other day the healthcare vote because it matters to so many of us. And you see all these, like, guys in a suit and, the, and especially, like, Mitch McConnell. Like, I don't want to get mm-hmm. violent or anything, but I kind of just want to <laughs> punch him in the face because he just— Yeah, I just kind of want to grab that skin <laughs> under his neck and just tug it real hard. <laughs> like, 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 this is, like, kind of, like, why I think we need more— uh, comedians or spaces like you um and it's a, it's exciting that you will be performing or part of the Daisy uh bay area festival that's coming up mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that kind of what you have planned maybe even um you know give us a a, a little bit of a tease of what's to come uh yeah i'm excited to be part of the the Desi festival it's my first um year but i know it's been going on for you know several years so i'm really excited to finally uh have a chance to get in front of that audience um you know i just i love bringing people into my space and talking about things that i care about you know i'm a black <laughs> woman lesbian um, so, you know, I have a, I fit into a lot of, uh, boxes that people, <laughs> you know, want to, want to talk about, um, right. the, the triple minority. So, uh, <laughs> I think, and, and I think the, the Indian audience, I think we, we have some of the same, um, you know, issues. It's like we're, we're people of color and we have certain, um, things that people assume about us when they see us. Um, and I think uh, they're going to relate to my my jokes. Hopefully, you know, I grew up in a, in, in Detroit. I'm I live in Oakland now, so uh, I think I have a lot of a lot of things that they're going to be interested. In. I'm also, of course, you know, a lesbian. Sometimes that doesn't go over so well <laughs> with with different audiences, but uh, you know, I've learned how to deal with that as well. Well, I can't wait, and uh, thank you so much for joining us here on the show and give, giving me a little bit of, of relief from the political seriousness or the crisis that we're in. So I can't wait to check you out at the Comedy Festival. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I hope people come out and, and check us out. All right. Thanks, Corinda. We'll, we'll see you soon. Thank you so much.
The fourth annual Desi Comedy Fest is an 11-day South Asian stand-up comedy extravaganza touring comedy clubs and theaters in nine cities throughout Northern California. So San Francisco, Berkeley, Mill Valley, Santa Clara, Union City, Alameda, Livermore, Santa Cruz, and Mountain View. So if you're in the Bay Area, that's a, that's a treat. So <laughs> it's coming up. If you want more information, you can go to daisycomedyfest.com and that's spelled D-E-S-I. Don't go away when I come back. We'll continue the show and share more jokes with other comedians. The Commonwealth Club of California is the nation's leading public forum engaged with the most important issues of the day. More than 450 times each year, we feature programs on politics, LGBT issues, literature, science, entertainment, and more. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Google Play, watch our videos on YouTube and Facebook, and when you're in the Bay Area, join us in person for our daily programs. Learn more about the club at commonwealthclub.org. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? (laughs) Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side as a unified team of the best fertility specialists guided by the highest ethical standards Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. Thanks for listening to the Progressive Voices Network, streaming the best in progressive talk 24-7. Keep the progressive conversation going on by joining our community. Each week, we send out an email that covers important things taking place in the Progressive Voices Network and throughout the progressive world. Be the first to know of upcoming shows, schedule changes, exclusive programming, and more. Simply go to ProgressiveVoices.com and sign up for our mailing list. It's that easy. ProgressiveVoices.com. Thanks for listening, and thanks for joining the Progressive Voices community. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining me here on this hump day. I'm Michelle Meow, your host today on the show. We are covering funny people. Um, I think they think they're funny. (laughs) I'm sure they're funny because uh, I've seen their work and comedians are our relief in this shit show that we call America or the White House right now or uh, I mean yeah I don't want to be too dramatic and I know I am being dramatic but for everyone out there who's trying to do something about it or trying to resist or uh, doing the work really the heavy lifting I know you need space to 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 laugh to be in unity with people who look like you and 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 not feel like you're isolated or alone, so don't worry. The The way that I cope with uh, with that is obviously bringing it here to the show. The show is your A through Z, covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between show. So we're covering comedians uh, who will be a part of the Thacy Comedy Fest right here in the Bay Area. And so our next featured guest who's on the phone with us is Nick Dodani. Nick, welcome to the program. 
Hi, thanks for having me. You're funny. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was just I was uh, looking through some of your materials, obviously, before calling you up. And, you know, one of the things that's so refreshing about you is you do a great job just being authentic and genuine of, of the different identities of, you know, of you, right? Um, culturally, ethnically, as a gay man, I, I really uh, enjoyed you being authentic and honest about coming out to your Indian parents. Uh, how many times have you done that skit? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so many times. I probably do it every show, uh, much to the dismay of my parents, um, who, who don't particularly love that bit. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things that's so central to who I am, and it's, 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 it's so important to tell that story, I think, to folks, and especially, you know, for younger queer people and Indian people who, uh, you know, need to hear that kind of story. Mm-hmm. So I definitely do that pretty much every show that I'm on. Mm. Is it is it still like a, a new thing you think in the Indian community to be a young gay guy? I definitely think it's changing. You know, uh, especially among like younger Indian Americans, I think the culture is very different. It's a lot more progressive. It's a lot less, uh, you know, uh, stuck in the old ways. But I think you know, my parents' generation, my grandparents' generation, it is still queerness is still such a tricky issue to navigate because folks in that generation just don't talk about it. It's not, it's just something that just isn't discussed. It's not really acknowledged. And so, you know, there are a lot of things to kind of work through with those people. But like I said, I do think among the younger people, things have changed, are changing a lot for the better. What are, um, you know, some of the, I guess, questions or comments that you get from your parents, um, that maybe you'd like to share here on the program that are interesting or you think are, are unique to your experience as a gay Indian, young gay Indian guy uh, living in today's world, you know, and just, just to share with, with everyone else here that maybe their questions can be comedic and refreshing at the same time, you know, show that it, they're also accepting and, and moving forward. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I'll start, like, when I came out with them, I had a joke. Uh, about coming out to my mom that's very much based on what actually happened. You know, when I came out to her when I was 18, uh, she was shocked and surprised. And the, the, pretty much the first thing she asked me was a question about HIV and AIDS and whether or not she should be concerned about that. And it was coming from a place of, of concern and love, but of course that felt very not great. It, uh, it felt very crappy. Right, um, right. That question right away. And, you know... Uh, my dad had similar questions about, like, what does it even mean to be queer or gay? What, is, what are those words even mean? What does that mean for your life? What does that mean for your future? And, you know, over several years of answering a bunch of questions like that and sending them articles and sending them podcasts and videos and, you know, really kind of facilitating their education, now we're in a place where they're asking much better questions. I, I just moved in with my boyfriend uh, just last month, and the questions they're asking now are just, the things you want to hear, like, how's it going? You guys fighting? How's the furniture shopping going? How's the, you know, are you decorating okay? And, like, so, you know, they've come such a long way, and I think it's, it's a testament to having uncomfortable conversations and answering the questions that you may not want to receive, but someone's got to answer it for them. And, 
you know, it's one of those things where we just have to kind of power through. Okay, so do they ask you questions about sex at all? <laughs> my mom absolutely does not. My dad <laughs> loves to, like, ask in a roundabout way. Uh, I uh, Before we moved in together, my boyfriend and I, I mentioned that I was staying at Michael's place, and my dad was like, oh, so you you stay at his apartment overnight? <laughs> and I was, I was like, yes, Dad, I do. And he was like, oh, oh, okay. Okay. And I could just see the wheels turning in his head, realizing what exactly that entailed. But, like, that's as explicit as it, got, as it gets. I mean, they're still Indian parents. They're not going to go too deep into the sex talk. What kinds of things do you think that, you know, your your parents, and then we'll get off your parents and we'll stop picking on them. But um, what do you think that they think are, you know, what do you think they think are gay? Like, you know, gay culture. Like, what's gay culture to your parents? You know, for them, I think they really only started paying attention to gay things, queer things when I came out to them. And around the time I came out is when marriage equality was in the news a lot. When the fight for marriage equality was big, when the fight for, you know, workplace discrimination protections and, and a lot of the, the policy things. So actually, they're uh, surprisingly well-versed on, like, the challenges facing, like, the LGBT community in terms of, like, a public policy perspective. Um, which is which is cool. I never thought that they would be interested in that, but uh, you know they they know about the, the pride marches and they know about the protests and I mean a lot of it has to do with me telling them with that without them really asking. But you know they they since I came after them, they kind of took the time and effort to really you know uh, immerse themselves in that side of the LGBT world. That's awesome. That's very cool. Now let's talk about you know today's. Current political environment, your work as a comedian, and your identities and and where they intersect. How has the the political environment? How has that impacted your work? You know, it's, it's, it's in so many different ways. I mean, personally, you know, outside of stand up, like I am just exhausted, like all the time. I'm like glued to my phone at the same time, wanting to throw my phone at the wall every five seconds. And especially in the last couple months, I mean, the attacks on the LGBT community have just ramped up in so many different places. And it's hard, you know, it's hard to to just take that all in without, you know, letting it get you down a bit. But for me, you know, stand-up is a way that I can let that energy out and kind of connect with folks. And I think on the stand-up side, I've actually seen an increase in the reception of my stand-up. You know, I think there are a lot of folks, a lot of, uh, you know, straight folks and white folks and uh, people who want to be allies who have woken up to the madness uh, that we already knew about. But to them, since the election and since the administration has been doing their thing, they've kind of just become aware of it. And so I think they're more tuned in to, to stand up from folks like me um, because they, they do realize that there needs to be a learning process. There needs to be a cultural evolution. So I think that's really cool. And uh, especially on the racial side, I mean, my jokes that talk about race, I think white folks, white audiences have just gotten way more tuned in. I'm getting a lot less, you know, uh, folded arms and, and, and disappointing looks in the audience and a lot more laughter, um, which is cool. You know, I think I think white guilt is paying off in a great way. And that's <laughs> I was just talking about that. Um, it- in some ways, though, I mean, you know, it's still something that we need to address. Uh, the racial issues are highlighted now, and more activists who are brown and or, you know, black um, 
or of color, let's just put it that way, uh, are, are a lot more outspoken. And so that gives space for people to be opinionated. Um, have you, have you experienced anybody who just really felt like you went overboard or, or that you should not be up there talking about these issues or, or that you've hurt their feelings? I've, I've, I've been reading that a lot about, pe- of, uh, especially white people who are hurt, you know, to be, to be called out <laughs> on fragility or um, yeah. uh, political differences in opinions. You know, I, I definitely have gotten the occasional Twitter troll, and I get that white guy, angry-looking white guy in the front row who just has his arms crossed and looks angry. Um, but, you know, I haven't experienced that much backlash. And I, I do occasionally, you know, encounter the sensitive white person. But by and large, and especially since the election, I think most people at the end of the day are willing to listen and willing to learn. I know that there are obviously a lot of, you know, pretty disgusting, violent racists out there. But I think, you know, especially in places like California where I am, um, the white folks want to be better. Um, and I think that's, I think that's, it's nice. It's, it's a great thing to see. You know, I mean, I grew up in Arizona where that's I was just surrounded. Yeah, it's refreshing. It's nice. I mean, I grew up in Arizona in like conservative, conservative Arizona, and it was not that way. I mean, like, the racism was just rampant and and depressing. But I, I really think um, things are changing, which is cool. Well, I mean, I mean you're, uh, you're in L.A. now, but uh, before that, you know, you've, you were born in Dallas. You were raised in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Like, geez, could your parents pick, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, just the, the, the uh, whitest states ever um, in a lot of yeah. ways. I mean, what was that like growing up? Um, and especially, I guess, Arizona, uh, a state where, you know, in the last at least five years, m- many of their politicians or legislators have surprised the entire country with very um, anti-POC uh-huh. positions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was tough. I mean, like I grew up in uh, a neighborhood that was very white, very wealthy, very Christian, and my family was none of those things. And so it was it was very isolating. And, uh, you know, microaggressions on top of microaggressions on top of macroaggressions, like every day. Especially my parents, they experienced so much discrimination. They owned, you know, businesses in, in Arizona. They, they encountered so much BS. And on top of that, you had the policies that, that the state and the local governments were passing in terms of anti-immigration laws, and we had the crazy sheriff, Joe Arpaio, who just got criminally convicted, thank goodness. Um, yeah. He was he was our sheriff, and he was, uh, it was like the horror stories you would hear about the treatment from the, the sheriff's deputies towards brown people was just unreal, and it, 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 was, it was tough. Um, you know, I, I, it's why I left, it's why I, so I, fled west to california yeah uh, you know my parents my parents are still there so I, I go back there and again things are changing i mean you know demographic shifts and just younger folks you know coming more into their power and you know i think there is going to be a shift in arizona and i think you're you know you're seeing that in places like phoenix like the big cities um but it, it, it's still tough i mean it's still there's you know has a reputation for a reason Sure. I'm going to take a quick break, but I want to continue our conversation for a little bit longer, if that's okay with you. Yeah, totally. Awesome. 
Don't go away. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Nick Dodani. The Commonwealth Club is a unique organization that brings together people from a variety of backgrounds to explore important issues as a community. Sooner or later, everyone worth hearing comes to our stage. From Marga Gomez to Richard Chamberlain, from James Hormel to Kate Kendall, leading thinkers, activists, politicians, and artists have come to the Commonwealth Club of California. Ted Olson and David Boyes came here to discuss their winning legal strategy for same-sex marriage. Jason Collins talked about gay athletes. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence discussed activism and good works. Actor and director Rob Reiner explained how he got Hollywood behind same-sex marriage. Barney Frank described what it's like to be gay at the highest levels of Washington. From healthcare reform to transgender rights, from immigration to gay-owned businesses, it's all at the Commonwealth Club. And that's still just a portion of the 450 programs we present every single year, with new programming nearly every single day. Be a part of the conversation. Learn more at commonwealthclub.org, download our free app in iTunes, and join us in person the next time you're in San Francisco. The Commonwealth Club of California puts you face-to-face -face with today's thought leaders. For listening to the Progressive Voices Network, streaming the best in progressive talk 24-7. Keep the progressive conversation going on on Facebook. Like us at facebook.com forward slash progressive voices. On the Progressive Voices Facebook page, we update the stories that our hosts like Tom Hartman, Stephanie Miller, Bill Press, and Leslie Marshall will be talking about during their shows. And we share great news, commentaries, opinion pieces, and videos from all over the progressive world. Always progressive, always on. Be part of the progressive conversation. Like us at facebook.com forward slash progressive voices. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining me here on the program this Wednesday, this hump day. Um, I'm super excited that we're taking a, a moment to just, you know, step back, laugh and hang out and unite with other Queer folks, uh, queer folks of color, especially, who can help us laugh about what's going on, especially when you feel like the world is ending like myself. I just really needed this. I needed this more than a therapy session. That's how bad I needed it. Uh, our guest today on the phone is Nick Dodani. He will be featured at the Daisy Comedy Fest. And uh, Nick, you know, what does this mean to you to, to be a part of the fourth annual Daisy Comedy Festival that features or highlights, um, especially, you know, South Asian comedians and performers. I'm so excited. I think the fact that this festival exists is so awesome. Uh, you know, there are uh, more basically South Asian Indian comics than than people realize. And I think, you know, there's a stereotype that Indians and South Asians in general are off being doctors and lawyers and engineers and all that kind of stuff. But uh, we are here in the arts, here in the entertainment industry, and we are hilarious. And I think it's so great that um, the organizers of the festival are, you know, providing a platform to really just center our story. It's, totally. Uh, it's, it's, it's great. It's awesome. What was, um, you know, what were conversations like with your family uh, and, and how they compared to conversations you might have had with other activists during this, you know, the first, I guess, before the president was elected during the campaign, I'm, every every household, you know, had a conversation about politics and what was going on, and some families even got into fights. What was it like with yours? 
You know, I am super lucky to have parents who, at least over the last few years, have, have openly started calling themselves progressive and liberal. Um, and, you know, this, this past election was the first time my parents ever got involved in a campaign. My mom uh, called, made phone calls for Hillary, and, and they called their, their senators and uh, all that kind of stuff. And it was the first time that they got actually active, which I thought I was, I was just so proud of them. Um, and, you know, because they saw Trump. I mean, as, you know, especially after he won the Republican nomination, I think he, you know, for any immigrant and kids of immigrants, people of color, like, his, all of his, everything just brought up so much anger and, and frustration and trauma that I really think for my parents, it was just, like, it activated them, which is really cool. I think that's true for so many people. And so the conversations we had were very much just, you know, preaching to the choir. Um, but, you know, uh, some... Folks in my extended family, I know, weren't as progressive, and and you know there was a small contingent of Indian Americans who were supporting Trump, and and it, you know, and it, it that that was the toughest thing. I mean, those the conversations about how to reach them were the interesting ones, and I think you know uh, were productive ultimately. I was just going to ask. I mean, well, like, yeah tell us how. Like, <laughs> how do you have conversations with people? Um, who like are are are? I mean, I can understand people who voted for like Bush or whatever, but I, I don't mm-hmm. know. Trump is just such a different. I can't even call him like a Republican. So even if you have friends who are conservative, I think a lot of conservative mm-hmm. people are coming out and saying, "No, this guy doesn't. He's not. He's he does. We don't share his values." Yeah, you know what I think in the Indian American community, I think there is there is a strain of Islamophobia that kind of runs through the community, and I think a lot of folks kind of identified with Trump in in, in that way. Um, and I think the way that I spoke to folks and how my family spoke to folks was really kind of shift the focus away from that and focusing on the other issues and and telling the personal stories about like me being gay and coming out and how hard that was and what that's like and what the Trump administration means to that. Or, you know, what healthcare would be like. I mean, growing up, my family relied on Medicaid a lot when we were going through the Great Recession. And it's, it's you know, I think that really helped kind of uh, shift people's opinions by just, like, making those issues more of, of the primary concern. Um, you know, because, you know, it, sadly, issues like Islamophobia and, like, fear and, and, and race-baiting and stuff are hard to tackle especially because they're so ingrained in so many people. But I think the way that I tried to do it and that my family tried to do it was to make other issues take precedence. And I think that worked to some extent. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to really gauge, but that's that's kind of the strategy that we took. I, I asked the, uh, the previous comedian this as well, but um, do you feel like there's this competition of who can be the most liberal and radical in your community? Um. I not so much in my Indian American community, but I definitely think in like my progressive community. Yeah, <laughs> definitely think that. That's true. what I meant. I went, like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Oh my gosh, yeah. Uh, it's 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 exhausting. Um, it, I mean, I went to a liberal arts college in, in LA, so it's very much the culture of trying to one up each other and trying to like constantly trying to catch each other slipping up. And you know, if you say the wrong thing once, you're you're out. Um, and I just think that's counterproductive. I think, you know, they're, the progressive umbrella is big, and it's big for a reason. And, you know, of course we have to keep people accountable. Of course we can't tolerate any kind of 
uh, you know, uh, any of the phobias, any of the isms. But uh, we got to relax a little bit. I mean, that might be the comedian of me just, like, getting frustrated, but, like, calm down, folks. I mean, like, we are all on the same team, and we need each other because the other side is in power and strong, and they are good at what they do, and we need to be, like, united against them. We're squabbling with each other, you know? Very well said. And they think like the last episode of Game of Thrones that why well, not I probably shouldn't go there. <laughs> uh, anyway, Jon Snow says something that's relevant, but I won't I won't ruin the show. Okay, okay. Well, the Thacy Comedy is uh, coming up yeah, August tenth through the twentieth. We can't wait to to hear from you and check out some some stuff. Um, do you have anything that you can tease for us? Uh, in terms of the show, well, I will be trying out some new stuff about uh, dating a white guy, which I'm very excited to to do. Um, so you can come to the festival starting uh, very soon and check it out. There's going to be so many incredible comedians there, and it's going to be really fun. All right. Nick, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the show. Thank you so much for having me. The Commonwealth Club of California is the nation's leading public forum engaged with the most important issues of the day. More than 450 times each year, we feature programs on politics, LGBT issues, literature, science, entertainment, and more. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Watch our videos on YouTube and Facebook. And when you're in the Bay Area, join us in person for our daily programs. Learn more about the club at commonwealthclub.org. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our so where do we start (laughs) starting a family is a team effort and when life needs a little encouragement pacific fertility center will be right by your side as a unified team of the best fertility specialists guided by the highest ethical standards pacific fertility center provides patients with compassionate fertility care visit pacificfertilitycenter.com This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. Many nonprofits rely on events to raise money, create space for community gathering, and offer opportunities to network. But how many hours in a day do community leaders have when they're busy changing the world? Imagine your next event, gala, festival, or celebration professionally executed with creative ideas and ideals to match your community service. IDK is the community's trusted event production company. Visit idkevents.com for all your event production needs. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me here on this hump day. We have been covering awesome comedians of the LGBTQ community who are performing at the fourth annual Desi Comedy Fest that's happening right here in the Bay Area, August 10th through the 20th. Our last and final guest on the show... Uh, who's here to just give me some comic relief and some good positivity and juju that all is going to be okay. Stop being dramatic, Michelle. Uh, and on the phone with us and sitting in a bus, which is so sweet of him, is Arjun 
Banerjee. Arjun, welcome to the program. Hi, Michelle. Uh, glad to be here. Uh, sorry I'm catching you um, traveling and, 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 and sitting on a bus talking to us, but I think that's kind of, um, it's comforting. You're normal. Yeah, yeah, it turns out that the uh, local comedians do not live the high life. <laughs> uh, unless, unless it's yeah. one of those, like, uh, special, you know, tour buses um, that, you know, people like Kevin Hart or something ride in uh, one day, one day. Uh, yeah, you got me. It's, it's my tour bus that I take everywhere to go to my open mics. <laughs> um, exactly. Uh, but yeah, hey, welcome, normal. welcome to the program. And uh, I, I see it on here that you are a bisexual Indian American who is who was raised in part by a white San Francisco native after your mom died. Um, I, th- I found that to be you know interesting. I really got to change my bio. Yeah, that's a, that's in your bio. Um, but yeah, I sh- I should write something a bit more fun and less expository. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know what? Hey, I, it's always good, and uh, it's a symbol of good character when somebody's willing to just put themselves out there from a genuine level and, and things that have impacted their life without, you know, so many skeletons in the closet. Um, but why why do you think it's, a, it's super important to basically put yourself out there as a bisexual Indian American, we don't hear much from the uh, the B when we talk about LGBTQ, especially in mainstream media, and that's that's at fault of many mainstream journalists. Um, but I wanted to to touch on that. I thought that that was super special of you. Well, I mean, it's just kind of what, at least at the time, and what I didn't know about myself right now. How I would just and that's sort of something I could touch on in comedy. Um, so, but like, you know, it's cool. Sometimes I've gotten some straight comedians. We know what they're talking about, but they're like, you know, people don't think that you're, you know, not straight. So when you say you're not, people think you're like the setup to a joke and it's kind of confusing to them. And, I don't know how much that's true, but obviously you're going to kind of want to undercut that. And if you have an opportunity to, that'd be awesome. And you want to take that one. And then, of course, you know, the the issue of just representation in media as a whole, you know, bisexuality new because people really kind of want the world to be the way they understand it. And, you know, LGBT is relatively new. I mean, in 2004, I think 40 percent of Americans thought that gay sex itself should be illegal. So we've really seen a sea change. And a lot of that's been facilitated by media. And that media kind of really just shows kind of um, stereotypes of gayness, but that's kind of led to some idea. But I think people are still kind of uncomfortable with anything that deviates from heteronormativity. And so bisexuality kind of kind of tests at that, and also a lot of the conversation around LGBT for acceptance, and so then bisexuals can kind of hide, and so the people who are less on, who are like more on the fence with LGBT rights might be pushed back harder against bisexuals, especially since there's questioning, um, you know, within yourself, and it's like, 
that might kind of uh, tug at heteronormativity itself. Wait, that last sentence didn't quite make sense. <laughs> um, it, it's okay, because you kind of cut off uh, a little bit there anyway, and I wanted to oh, okay. uh, to move, you know, to, to kind of talk about the, the fact that... Um, even identifying as bi in the LGBTQ community sometimes has its, um, it rears it its ugly head. That. Yeah, yeah. It, there's, yeah. A, there's an ugly head that, you know, that, that, that exists in our own community where I feel like people are not accepting of bisexual, uh, or of the bisexual community in the LGBTQ rainbow, if you will. Uh, do you want to share any experiences about that or thoughts? I personally have not, like, okay, the San Francisco LGBT comedy community is basically my main interaction with LGBT organizations, and they think I'm adorable, so, because I've had a lot of, I've been, you know, I've been mostly questioning, you know, I've been questioning stuff, and so they just think it's kind of funny to watch, and they're, like, chill with it, and everyone I've talked to has been pretty supportive, but I do know that, um... I do know that that's something people experience, which I sort of get. You know, I mean, the LGBT community is also kind of built on an identity of struggle, and so we can kind of bypass that at times, and so I think that can create resentment or feelings that were fake, which, of course, is not true, but you can see where it comes from. Sure. Um, I was just mentioning, you know, throughout the entire show that making jokes sometimes can be relief or it can be therapeutic and healing, especially if you're someone, you know, who is continuously oppressed and it's hard to live in this, you know, country, this world, uh, especially what's happening yeah. politically. Why did you get yeah. into comedy and uh, kind of, you know, is this a coping mechanism for you? Um. I mainly got, well, I've always, I, uh, I have, I, uh, it's not really coping with oppression. It's more that I have, um, I just want everyone. And so performing arts has been something I've always liked. And then comedy is a way that's really personal. So I know people like me specifically rather than some character I'm playing. Plus it's easier to get stage time doing this. And also, I get to write my own stuff. So it's a combination of a lot of things. But I, it's definitely not a coping mechanism to oppression. I felt like that's not why I got into it. I definitely do, you know, talk about stuff that, um, you know, I, like social issues that affect mostly me. I try not to speak for others. So it can be that, but I wouldn't say mostly that's why I got into it. Yeah. Well, we started off, you know, introducing you with some pretty personal uh, information or facts about you. Do you get personal in your stand-up? Yes. Yes. I mean, I don't know. To an extent, there's I get personal in that sense, but I guess in a deeply emotional sense, it's like my Time set, not really. I hope I'll just start saying things, but it shows you know you won't learn too much about what I uh, think about my mother, you know, mm-hmm. or my lack there. 
you know. What about what about the current president? Do you talk about him much? <laughs> um, not really, because I mean, he's very bad at his job, and he's actively hurting the country with the host. Well, I mean, he's trying to actively hurt the country. He doesn't seem to be very good at it. Um, but in stand-up, I probably don't. And not like a purposeful avoidance. I just haven't really come up with a joke about him that is to does well consistently. I tweet about him, but those don't really translate to stage. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a, I don't think he's, like he's boring or he's hack or that stuff. I just haven't come up with a joke that isn't boring or hack. But I think, you know... Topical humor is always most fun, and that's sort of what I, how I got into comedy as a whole, watching, like, political humor when I was, like, 12, and my understanding of politics were Democrats were the good guys and Republicans were the bad guys, and then I was like, huh, now I, I would like to believe my understanding of politics is a bit more complicated than that, but um, I still would like to do political humor. Yeah. I'm just not very good at it yet. Well, you know, we're excited for you to be a part of the Thacy Comedy Fest that's coming up right here in the Bay Area. Uh, is this your first time performing at the festival? And, you know, is there anything that you can tease that we can look forward to? Uh, I actually performed I performed last year, and it was a lot of fun. And I think uh, we're going to... We're going to be at Berkeley Freight and Salvage on August 13th, and that show, I think, is going to be... It's going to be uh, pretty awesome. I'm real excited for it. It's a huge, it's a huge theater. It's a really nice place to see. I recommend checking it out. All right. Well, we will. Uh, thanks so much for dropping by the show, and uh, sorry again for calling you as you're, you know, zipping away doing something awesome. Uh, but we will see you soon. All right. See you around, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Arjun Bonerji, he will be a part of the Thacy Comedy Fest that we've been talking about uh, all hour long right here on the Michelle Meow Show. So if you are in need, just like me, for some comedic relief or just to be a part of a group of people uh, who look like you, who might think like you, and can provide uh, some type of therapeutic laugh, then you should definitely join a, join us for the fourth annual Thacy uh, Comedy Fest right here in the Bay Area. If not, you could find some of these comedians online. Thanks so much for joining us here on the program. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. The show is your A through Z, covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between. All of the podcasts are updated as well as the TV shows for Coffee TV. If you have any thoughts, comments, suggestions, or would like to be on the program, head to michellemiao.com. We'll see you tomorrow.